Jeff, is it bye week or is it bye week? You know, it depends on who you ask, right? It is obviously a football bye week, but according to our friends up north, it's it's bye week for BYU basketball, and that is by B-U-Y. Yes, and they've started referring to us as B-U-Y instead of BYU. Yeah, well, real creative stuff there. Um, it, it was a big day today. Colin Chandler, I mean, I'm not a basketball guy, but anytime you land a top 30 anything, I feel pretty good about that. Right. It, it's for you, it's kind of like, right. It's kind of like if the, uh, if the U S was in the world cup final of any sport, yeah, putting on your red, white, and blue and cheering. And you don't know what the hell the rules are like it can right. be curling. You don't know what's going on other than the ref missed a call and we should have won. Right. Yeah. Like hundred percent. Yep. That is what it is. And, and it is a big deal, right? Colin Chandler. He's a top 30 recruit. On 24-7, he is the highest-rated recruit ever, just barely edging against Eric Mika. Obviously, that doesn't include Danny Ainge or Sean Bradley, who had recruiting rankings been around. You know, Sean Bradley probably would have been top five or ten in the country in his year, and same with Brother Was Danny Ainge a big recruit? I thought he was just a BYU guy who got really good, but I have no clue. I mean, Danny Ainge... I'm making that up. Danny Ainge, to this day, is still the only person to ever be a parade All-American in football, basketball, and baseball. Oh, okay. So and he was a, was a starting major league third baseman while he was playing college basketball. And I knew that. So I would, I'm assuming, I mean, I, I'm just projecting that I'm sure. assuming that based on his multi-sport talent, he was, would have been highly coveted at the time. So there is okay. some projection there, okay. but I feel like the facts support it, right? Like it, I, <laughs> it, it has been such a week. Like our, our discord, the give him hell, Brigham discord has been popping. It has With been popping. all the takes. Um, and I do want to say a disc. I want to extend an invite to everyone to come join the discord. There's, we've been trying to have a little more conversation in the public channels, but all the real action happens in the, uh, in the VIP channels and it is really fun, but it is not for everybody, right? Like, no, it is, it's, not. I think if, if you listen to this, you're probably okay. Right. Like yeah. there's a little bit of swearing. There's some crude humor now and then. Um, Jeff isn't a fan of the eggplant emojis, but it makes me weird. Derek Bradley keeps posting those nonstop. Yeah. Like, and that's it. You really encourage it. You know, it's one of those, like it gets a rise out of you and you say you feel comfortable every time he does it. So of course he's going to keep doing it more. Right. Right. But right. it's one of those things, but it really is a fun time. And especially this week with all of the news that's gone on, like I, there are multiple comments from all through, like, there's been a large, large, large lack of productivity by many people uh-huh. involved. Um, I had one person calling me today um, to talk about some other legal issues and because he's an attorney and he was like, eh, Eric was like, yeah, I have to set a timer to only yeah. let myself check it like once an hour. Right. And when the timer goes off, I can check it. Otherwise I would not get anything done. Well, and that's kind of the fun of it, right? Like it is fun and there's always a conversation going. And it's usually oriented around BYU sports or around, you know, BYU adjacent topics. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but it is addicting. Like you could sit there and it's just like talking sports with your buddies and you could do that all day long. And so you do have to have some discipline. Otherwise you get sucked in. I think when Brandon day the other day mentioned that every time the discord notification goes off on his phone, his wife says, your boyfriends are texting you. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) That's a really, really, that's accurate. Uh It it is accurate. And it is, it is really fun. And 
it's it's kind of like even on 24 7 forever that's been the complaint in 24 7 i said hey it's coming like we're going to get the site redesigned but it just like hasn't happened yet for whatever reason yep um but it's always been like we want chat like chat is the most fun it's like being in the moment like boom 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 rapid fire as stuff happens is fun is really fun and for us um we do have you know like we've got our nuggets and rumors channel which i debated changing the name of after uh you posted it i posted a picture of some chick-fil-a nuggets and the the fleetwood mac album art Mm -hmm. for rumors i debated changing the name of the channel to fleetwood fillet but Mm -hmm. the but nobody would know what that means it would be an it's i mean maybe that can be like our bat signal Right. Like, like, so if you ever hear us, see us tweet Fleetwood Filet, it means there are nuggets and rumors happening in the and they're always happening and they're always, always happening, but it's, it makes it, it is a much better like paywall to have that because like, I don't know if I can see the total number of messages. I probably can somewhere if I go into this. I'm system. sure we could, but it's tens of thousands. I'm sure. Right. And it's like, I think somebody Actually, someone logged in, like there were 3,500 messages, like just on Monday of people talking about Colin Chandler. And so it's like, if something gets buried in there, you're going to have to search for it, right? Like if we have a single post on Cougar Sports Insider and say, hey, this is what we're hearing about X player or something, or here's this person's injured. Like if you're not there, you're going to miss it. And so it's, you know, it, it's, it's true. And it- in the curse of, right? Like if you're in it, you see it happening. But then also, like, if you're really busy and take two days off, you can't, there is no catching up. Right. It's not really conducive to, I'm going to break a story that I want everybody to see. I mean, could we do like a sticky thread? Yeah, probably. But eh, it's not really what it's designed for. It's more about the conversation of the stories. We still will share nuggets and things that we hear, but this is designed for discussion. And that is always just, it's it's really fun it is it's pg-13 right it's not rated r it's certainly not rated r but it's the pg-13 version of byu fans and so if you are sensitive to that totally get it no one's gonna judge you 13 means we get do get occasional one f word and that is i don't think we've had an f word have we yes we have it was bean you know it was bean bean is our resident pg-13er (laughs) <laughs> the border right? and he tones it down he tones it but no, it's great it's a lot of fun and and i think you're exactly right if you listen to this show or if you've read anything from our newsletter it's about like that and if you haven't listened to our show if this is your first show uh what we're gonna go through today it is by week b-y-e there's not a lot of football to talk about i mean we could manufacture some stories like you're gonna hear from other podcasts but we're gonna have a little bit more fun this week we just are and the tone of the way this show is going to go today, if you can, if you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the rest of the Discord channel and everything else that give them that give them hell Brigham has to offer. And right. it's it's about that simple. Yep. But it has been a big week, man. Colin Chandler, that's a big deal, and it has set Utah social media, meaning University of Utah social media on fire I, I i don't know how else to explain it it is a burning disaster right now the tires have all been lit on fire the cars are turned upside down all the trees they're not toilet paper they've just been lopped the hell down like the whole town is on fire in utahville and apparently it's ryan smith's fault it is i mean first he was offering caleb loner's dad a job last he year wasn't. which that didn't happen and now 
apparently, you know, there is word of a six figure NIL deal waiting. It's just, it, you know, he was specifically told that, you know, because BYU has always been skirting the rules, right? And that's why our recruiting rankings have been generally ass forever. Because <laughs> Hell, I mean, just shout out the big bucks for those uh, 70 and 80, you know, ranked recruiting right. classes. Like it, I think last year, BYU really, really jumped the shark when they, when they finished in the 60s. I mean, they had to shell out a pretty penny to get that. Yeah, on. huge, huge money to get the guy to sign when you are and his all only that offer. NBA talent that has just been funneling through the basketball program, just shady shit without yes. question. Shady, shady, shady. But it's so the <laughs> supposedly right, and it, and it goes against the spirit of NAL because Colin Chandler was promised and said that there was a deal contingent upon him signing with against BYU, and there were receipts to prove it, and. <sighs> The well, that's not real, right? Like it was this. I think that what the pitch probably was was like, yeah, we take nil very seriously. Which I also don't understand why. Like, why wouldn't you? Well, one, why wouldn't you? But it's like, yes. Yeah, so we'll get to that. But one, my wife and I were talking about this last night. It's like people are mad and saying it's like hypocritical of BYU as a religious school to be doing this. And it's like, okay, what is more hypocritical? players being able to capitalize on their name image and likeness based on the work that they've done or doing nothing for your players while Kyle Winningham is like one of the top 15 highest paid coaches in the country. Right. Right. And it's like, well, you know, let me what ask is, you this. It, it, what is more Christian, right? Opening it up and saying, Hey, yeah, whatever you can bring in good for you. Like that is, we'll help you. We'll be there. We'll make sure you don't get in trouble and whatever. So I think the pitch, what, what the initial, pitch what is was, more hypocritical getting paid by a business within the construct of rules that have been established or getting paid under the table by an agent a la Kyle Kuzma. Yes. That is the funniest thing about all of this is that you fans are so mad about everything that's going on and saying Ryan Smith, Ryan Smith, which Ryan Smith, one, he would never do this because the NBA has strict tampering rules for owners and he loves the job. That's the best part about it. He's never like (laughs) Ryan Smith. There's nothing like, he hasn't done a scene. I think he did one little NIL deal for a kid on the golf team that yeah, grew up in his ward. He's done nothing. nothing for basketball or football. Nothing. He has donated to the program the same way the Huntsman's donated to Utah. The Eccles have donated. He like, donated the to the program. Utah fans has not done a single NIL deal, but he lives rent free in the head of every Utah fan right now, including them saying we're not going to go to. And you could say, okay, we're living rent free because we're talking about like one, it's a bio week, and two, this is what rivalry is about, right? Like, yeah, you talk about how stupid I think it's everybody great. else is, yeah. right? It, but it's Ute fans are saying that they will no longer support the Jazz because it is the Utah Jazz, and because it's the Utah Jazz, not the Salt Lake Jazz, they are supposed to be representing the entire state. So mm-hmm. Ryan Smith needs to give equally to every team in the state. Well, one, he might, for all we know, like one Baltrics of my friends might like, be. Did that not bother you when the whole freaking baseball and softball complex in Provo was named after Larry and Gail Miller? Who the hell do you think Ryan Smith bought the jazz from? Please, please stop coming to jazz games. And there would be a significant decrease in the number of babies who get booed. If Utah fans stop coming to jazz games. And they might actually get more than 2,300 people to show up to the curtain center. I'm refusing to call it the Huntsman Center. It is the yeah. curtain center until those things come down. I don't if even want to know. They need why, more curtains, man. If you want to know why Colin Chandler 
came to BYU's one big 12 is going to, is the best basketball conference in the country. Even without Oklahoma and Texas, they got better Two, Mark Pope is a hell of a coach and a hell of a recruiter. And so is Chris Burgess. They closed the deal, just flat out, put a better pitch together. And that was the, the knock by Utah state fans. And the worry by a lot of Utah fans when they hired Craig Smith from Utah state was that he wasn't a great recruiter. He inherited Sam Merrill, but there was never any stories about like, oh man, he really closed on this kid. There were no stories out of, of him drawing someone to Logan the yeah, way got, Mark Pope was drawing four-star Wyatt Lowell to UVU. He right? got Namus Keda when nobody else wanted him. Like, heck of a job evaluating an NBA talent when nobody else was right. Seeing. But evaluation and recruiting different two things. different skills. Yep. Right. And no, I, I could not agree more. And and the fans. Right. And the fans, fans played a role. You like, look at the hunts. It was, I felt bad. I saw the pictures made fun of them. There was Bradley Pilkington had the incredible, incredible, perfect tweet last night when the must like Utah tweeted something about, Oh, 24 because they were 24 in the CFP rankings. And he quoted and said, wait, is this how many fans you got at your basketball game last night? And you right. saw the pictures and that was pretty much it. Like there were about as many fans. They announced 2,300 announced yes. fans. That's Season- tickets sold. Tickets sold 2300 for a Pac-12 basketball game. I don't care that it's against Abilene Christian. It's your season tip-off. Yeah. And Abilene Christian is a better program. Is a like the Cleveland State, Abilene Christian, same difference, right? Like, and you got a brand-new head coach. It's right. on the night before signing day when you're supposedly getting, uh, you know, you're in the mix for an NBA talent, and 2,300 people showed up. No, they didn't show up. 2,300, 300 people bought tickets. Sure. Yes, and how many exactly. of those were, like, parents i just i feel bad for those players honestly like i think that utah i it's like people are going through a little bit of an identity crisis up there and here's what i have struggled with so much this week and i've seen some utah fans to their credit try to rally the fan base together to focus on on what's happening uh sure they lost to byu and maybe they didn't reach their football standards this year but Utah is in the driver's seat to get to the Pac-12 championship game and have another shot at the Rose Bowl. And they can't find a way to be happy. Like, who cares about a basketball recruit? One, he's going on a mission. Like, he's not going to be on the floor for two, three years, right? You're, you're getting ready to go to a Rose Bowl, potentially. You shouldn't care one bit about BYU basketball. And yet that has been the focal point of the conversation all week long. And we have seen some wild claims so wild that I had the idea. I am, I am introducing you to the first ever game show on the give them hell, Brigham podcast. I have 10 quotes Garrett, and it is up to you to decide if it was said by a Utah fan on Twitter by Joe Biden or by Donald Trump. This is the first ever episode of was it Joe, Don, or Ute? And this is great because, you know, in the last, the best conspiracy theory I ever heard was a uh, guy from named Bernardo who works for my father in law. He's an immigrant. And he was, I remember talking to him one time and he was like, yeah, and got my citizenship. I was like, ready, excited to vote. And then 2016 happened. And then I'm like, wait a minute, out of 350 million people, Hillary Clinton and built Donald Trump, that's the best we got. Like those are the only options. And then 2020 comes around and it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump. He's like, I don't said, I don't know, man. I'm starting to think the elections are rigged because there's no way that those are the only two options. So it really is kind of this falls in line 
with that conspiracy that of like of all the people in America, the best we can come up with is Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and Utah fans. Like there we <laughs> that's are. a that's a I don't know if that's the company you want to be in. So if you want to trade in your colors and come join us in Provo, we will welcome you with open arms. But so ten, 10 questions. I will read the quote. Now, some of these might be obvious. This is the first time I've ever done this. 10 quotes, and it's up to you to decide Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or a Utah fan on, on Twitter, social media somewhere this week. Quote number one, man, you are all a dull bunch. Clap for that, you stupid bastards. Uh, Trump? No, you are 0 for 1. That was Brother Biden said what? that one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could give you guys the context, but I don't want this to become a political thing. I don't care. <laughs> but it was at a rally uh, in 2019 that everybody was a little bit bored. He felt that the audience was not fun. So he made what was a joke and said, clap for that, you stupid bastards. Okay. That, okay. that does make it a little more lighthearted. It does. Really ridiculous quote. Okay. Number two. And the irony of this quote is, is phenomenal. The buck stops with everybody. This one is Trump. It's this one be, is Trump. It's got to be This one talking. could have been Utah fans. Yes. But this one was Trump. So you got that right. We'll give you credit. Because there are a bunch of Utah fans. Like, did you go look at Mark Harlan's mentions on Twitter? <laughs> no, I could not bring oh. myself to do it. Yeah. So obviously BYU, and we're going to write about this on our Friday VIP newsletter is going to have some more nuggets that we've been told about um, NIL stuff. And really BYU has really crushed this like beyond every other school. I'm not sure what Oregon has done, but maybe second to Oregon better than every single school in the West. Like there are, we've talked, there are players at other PAC 12 schools that are like most other PAC 12 schools, their players are getting nothing and is very disorganized up in Salt Lake. And their fans are either ranging from BYU is cheating to this is the rules. Now we got to play within the rules and it is embarrassing that we were not ready to go when everybody and their dog saw this coming and knew it was coming and they were ready to go hit the ground running day one. Yep. And we should be taking every advantage that we can. And to like one guy who I was like, uh, who said it should be no wonder that BYU is doing really well this because in the last 18 months, there've been $30 billion of tech exits in the last you know, year and a half, two years. And pretty much all that Silicon Slopes money leans very heavy towards BYU. Like that's sh- this shouldn't the crazy be a surprise. thing about it though, is it isn't even the tech money right now. BYU is successful in business. BYU grads are successful yep. in business, period. It's a lot of money that's coming from not Silicon, like Built Bar. That that isn't Silicon Slopes money, folks. Right. That's Built Bar money. That's different. Uh, so the buck stops with everybody. That was a, a Donald Trump quote, but that very easily, I, I've seen variations of that quote this week from Utah fans. I thought maybe you'd trip up on that one. This one I know you're going to get because it's become kind of a catchphrase. You might have had some issues with it at the beginning of the week, but I'm confident in your skills for question number three. They've hired a bunch of mercenaries, man. This is 100% Utah fans because I did see a tweet where somebody said, 
for the BYU and the LDS church, it's gone from a supposed missionary tool to a mercenary tool. Yeah. And probably yep. patted themselves on the back and thought that was the greatest pun of all time. Oh yeah. The, the, the idea being that BYU is now buying players to come in and they are mercenaries as if like as hiring a head coach. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, next one. This could be any of the three. This is a good one. Where is our big money? I have no idea, man. It pisses me off. Oh gosh, uh, this got to be a U fan too, complaining about the lack of NIL deals. You did, you got it. It was a Utah fan who, uh, the context of the thread was that why does Utah not have big money donors? And they were pissed about. And it's not because of big money donors or lack thereof. It's because of BYU fan support. Like it is not. 1990 where tv market and carriage rates and whatever matter before going forward it is all about fan engagement social media interactions butts in seats and like putting like fans putting their money where their mouth is and supporting the team right yeah BYU sells out against fcs idaho state we put a truckload of people in the marriott center for a game against Cleveland State. We have more social media following. Built Bar makes all their money back. I've spent close to $500 on Built Bar since that was started because we've started buying a huge order every month and eating them, right? Like it's like since, you know, that was announced, it's like supporting businesses. You can say like, well, Colin Chandler's not worth anything because he hasn't played yet. No, he's worth more as a BYU player because the fans of BYU will interact with companies that sponsor the players. That's how this works. Like part of his image and likeness is tied to the fact of being a BYU player versus right. Being playing at Westminster or Dixie or anywhere else in the country. Yeah. And it's in going forward, fans are what matter. You look at the attendance in bless Greg Rubel's heart when he freaking pissed off everybody talking about how <laughs> he's talking about Stanford fans. And then all every Utah fan in the country is pissed off at him. No, that back it's to like, pack, man. right. It's like, they care more about being a pack fans of a pack 12 school than being Utah fans, but they it's, like, they should Utah fans should be pissed about the lack of attendance at the rest right. of their conference. Cause because Utah does a great job. They yes, fill that they, stadium. Every they week. have a great fan base and they support their teams, but they nobody should be else pissed does. as hell, but they're associated with the conference that, that can't like USC had what? 10,000 people. I think was there like will 12, be more BYU fans than USC fans. Yeah. That should piss Utah fans the hell off. Don't defend that. Look at those Stanford seats and say, yeah, Stanford get your shit together. All right. Next question. Again, could be any of them. You know what they say, right? Money talks, and it talks a lot. That sounds like a Biden. That was a Utah fan. Oh, man. That was a Utah fan. Simple justification for uh, why Colin Chandler went somewhere else. All right, so running total so far. You are three for five. You're doing well. We got five more, and this is where it gets, I think, a little bit trickier. This one. You know, there is something going on in that brain of his, but I don't know what it is. This is either Donald Trump talking about Joe Biden or Joe Biden talking about Donald Trump. And either way, it is ironic because it could apply to both of them. <laughs> well, I need an answer. You got to pick one. Uh, there's, we haven't had a... No, we did have one. So uh, this one's got to be Biden. No, <laughs> this, this was Trump. And it was talking about... I don't think he was talking about Biden. I think this was during a, 
a press conference while he was president. It might have been about Biden and he was asked at the press conference, but it wasn't in a debate. It was at a presser, uh, but it was Donald Trump talking about somebody saying, I don't know what's going on. There's something going on in his brain, but I don't know what it is. And that was a good one. Uh, That was was tough. Number, number, what are we on? Seven? Yeah, maybe there's 11. I don't know. Number seven. By the way, I'm not sedentary. This one has to be Biden. Now I'm at the point now where if it sounds like Biden, I got to say Biden because one of them's got to be right. Yeah, this one was Biden. Okay. This one was Biden. I can I, reset I my even, counter now. I, I don't know the uh, the context. I really don't. I just saw the quote. By the way, I'm not sedentary. All right, next one, number eight. And this one, again, could apply to all three given the, the context of the week. Don't tell me I can't point a finger. Uh, this sounds like a Ute fan who was upset that another Ute fan was like, these are the rules now. Like they're not cheating. They're playing within the rules and good for that. Like they're taking yeah, advantage some, of being some aggressive. Fan on, some they're fan being on aggressive fan and playing with it. Like they're flirting with the gray area of what the sure. rules say they can before the NCAA formalizes everything. And then someone else is like, don't tell me I can't be upset yeah. about this. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. That does sound like that, but this was Joe Biden. Dang it. (laughs) After all those no Bidens, this one was Joe Biden talking to somebody at one of his own rallies. Uh, This this one's pretty obvious, but I laughed too hard to not put it in. I love cranes. I love trucks of all types. Even when I was a little boy, my mother would say, you love trucks. This one is Trump. (laughs) I have no idea what he was talking about, but the fact that that was a quote, I laughed and I loved it. You love trucks. Um, okay, the final one. This one, I, I think, could go any way. There is always a learning. And this, okay, there's always a learning curve for Euro guys, but tonight was especially tough for him. I don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it can't be a Ute fan because there's no European involved with Colin Chandler, so. Uh, I'm going to say Trump because I think we've had one less Trump than Biden. It was a Utah fan. What the hell? <laughs> talking, about, uh, talking about their game last night. So this has nothing to do with Colin Chandler, but apparently they have some recruit from Europe and he struggled last night. And the, 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 the takeaway was there's always a learning curve for Euro guys, but tonight was especially tough. Oh my God. Oh, uh, what, what did you finish, Garrett? I think you finished five of 10. Oh my God. Which just goes to show that it's really tough sometimes. When you fans feel scorned, it's really tough to decipher what's Joe, what's Don, and what's Ute. Tune in next time for episode two of our new favorite game show. We got we to gotta start adding some more game shows to this because this was really fun. This was better than our normal banter. But the, <laughs> I did, you know, when we talked about uh, and, like fans. People know I love Utah fans, right? Like I really do. I follow maybe more Utah fans than I do BYU fans. Like I enjoy, I enjoy it. This is all a good fun because I know there's a bunch of you who listen to the show. But this week, you can, week you can been, dig around and find stupid things. Oh, yeah. Anybody says, and, and this week has been bananas. You deserve all of the mocking that we're going to give you throughout the rest of the show this week, because what a disaster. 100%. We do have some breaking news. This cool. is similar to what I wrote about on Monday. 
So the Mac has announced it will not expand and is not adding Western Kentucky. Middle Tennessee had announced that they were going to stay in Conference USA. They evaluated and said, uh, getting exit fees. Yes, like the Mac is more stable, but we also don't really fit in that footprint being in Tennessee with a league in Ohio and Michigan. Like we're going to stay where we're at and the Mac is going to stand still. So this ties me back to kind of what I said just a few minutes ago about talking about fans and how fan support is the future and everything depends on the fans. Um, looking forward and looking at the PAC 12 and the state of fans, and we've hinted this before, talk about like people are leaving the West coast participation is way down on the West coast fan. Like you've got Bryce young and DJ Uyangalale going to Clemson and Alabama. They're both from LA. They should have gone to UC USC and UCLA. Like that is historically their home and it's just, they're losing and recruiting. It's just, it is not good in the PAC 12 footprint. And you know, you have a lot of USC fans say, screw this. We should be independent. Uh, USC is a tough place. You know, it's still, yes, it's still USC, but if they don't write this ship, like, could they end up being like a Nebraska or a Tennessee that have been historically good, but can't figure it out because, you know, it's, there's not as much talent as there once was. It's really heavily recruited there. People don't want to stay. A lot of coaches push come to shove politically. A lot of football coaches don't want to live in Southern California, or they look and say, well, I can make the same amount of money living in Alabama or Florida and take home twice as much, whatever it is. But you look at games, and this is amazing to me. Uh, last year, the Texas-Kansas State game on TV, Texas or Texas Tech, sorry, Texas Tech-Kansas State game outdrew UCLA-Oregon. Which should never happen. Which And so that is your... I think I was talking to Danny Homer about this and he said, you know, that's like comparable to Oregon state and Wazoo playing, right? Like in what yeah. world would Oregon state Wazoo ever outdraw UCLA Oregon? <laughs> and, and honestly, Oregon state Wazoo might even be a better game than the K state and tech. Right. And so just the going forward in this kind of also tying this back to conference USA and the Mac, right? Obviously conference USA has already added Liberty, New Mexico state, Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State. Sorry, added, I feel I feel bad for UMass that they didn't somehow get involved. I with think so. They want to go more so with what WKU and MTSU staying that puts them at nine. I think because the Sun Belt wants to kick out UT Arlington and Arkansas Little Rock, and so I think what's going to end up happening, my guess is that the Conference USA will add them for all sports, and then UConn and UMass as football mm. only members. Mm-hmm. And then collectively kind of do what the American does with Navy and Wichita. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But anyway, so the conference USA gets raided by the big East conference USA turns around and raids the Sun Belt. Then the Sun Belt added five FCS programs. And now within five or six years, the Sun Belt is obviously clearly not only clearly better than conference USA and the Mac, but people are arguably saying like, well, the Sun Belt is going is better than you know, it's on par with the American and the mountain West and it give it a couple more years. And if those keep programs, it's going to overtake and become the premier G five league, which is incredible. And it is very good for them. And it really comes down to like the winning fixes, everything, right? Like conference USA bet on markets and that kind of like the PAC 12 kind of feels like very markety right now where the big 12 with their expansion, they bet on like the big 12 of their extension bet on um, bet on programs that win mm-hmm. and bet on fan support. And so that's, was the difference, right? Is the Sun Belt 
Now you, you added good programs who continue to do well because it doesn't matter that they're in the middle of nowhere. You got Georgia Southern fans driving seven hours to go to a game somewhere every week, yeah. right? Like right. It's, they travel better and get more away game fans at games. And there's more fan involvement and investment. And even in down years, they're saying they understand, you know, where Utah fans are saying, screw this. Colin Chandler's not coming. I'm dumping my season tickets. These fans, and, and that's probably what a lot of Conference USA be similar. Sunbelt fans are the kind of fans that say, okay, we need to pony up and donate more money so that way we can afford this buyout and I want to get a new coach in. Like that is the difference in that mentality. And I feel like the remaining Big 12 schools in these smaller towns where there's nothing else to do except for love the hell out of that school that you cheer for, it's kind they of, get it's, it a lot. They The future is in fan support, be it NIL, be it butts and seats, be it social media, be it TV viewership. And it has nothing to do with metros because every game is available streaming everywhere all the time. And I think think that is the big difference between the big 12 going forward and the PAC 12 going forward. Will this all blow up and I could be 100% wrong? Definitely. If I was going to stake my claim of which league was going to separate itself from the other a decade from now, I would guess that the big 12, which is people look at and be like, Oh, they added four G five schools. Like they're the weakest, whatever is going to lock, look a lot more like to the pack five, you know, to the P five relative and that shift in the big 12 look a lot more like the Sunbelt building their reputation than what either the ACC or the PAC 12 are going to do for the next five to 10 years. I, I, I think I agree with that. Um, what the new big 12 lacks is that big heavy hitter blue blood program. And every, every opinion that has been shared about the big 12 is just basically the, you know, the G six now or whatever, right. Whatever variation of that opinion you've heard, that is all rooted in the fact that there is not an Ohio state. There's not a Texas, there's not an Oklahoma in the new big 12. And that's completely fair. But if you take away the top programs out of every conference, except for the sec, because they're riddled with top programs, you take away USC and Oregon, you take away Ohio State and Michigan, you take away uh, Clemson and like Florida State, maybe Miami, maybe, I don't know, take away Clemson, really. And at that point, the rest of the Big 12 is on par or better than the rest of the Big 10, Pac-12, and ACC, and I don't think it's particularly close. I really don't. Um, and I think that is, that's, the, that's the big problem. And I also find it ironic that there is that, and you mentioned this, there's the argument of, well, they added G5 schools, so how could they possibly still be P5? Could you imagine the state of the Pac-12 right now if Utah was not part of that conference? Look at the Pac-12 South. It is an absolute dumpster fire, and Utah is its only saving grace. USC currently does not have a head coach. The University of Southern California is going through almost an entire season with an interim head coach because they couldn't figure out after four years of him being on the hot seat what to do with Clay Helton. What a disaster of a program. UCLA is probably going to fire Chip Kelly at the end of the year. Chip Kelly, they, they backed up the Brinks truck to get him to Southern California And he has been like, this is probably his best year and they're going to struggle to make a bowl. 
And ironically on that one, Dan Mullen's probably going to get fired from Florida. And that was the hot thing of like, who is Florida going to hire? They're going to get Chip or they're going to get Mullen. Yeah, and either way, Florida's ended up in the same exact place. At the same Didn't spot. matter who they hired. Arizona State is in the middle of, I guess, what will soon to be probably probation of some sort uh, because of COVID-related recruiting violations. Herm Edwards is going to be fired. A bunch of their coaching staff has already been fired. So that's three, right? You're you're three of the six Pac-12 South schools that either have no coach or will not have a coach in the very near future. And those are probably your three flagship programs of USC, UCLA, and Arizona State. And Colorado has had a few blips in the radar, but they are now have head coach Carl Durrell, who was the head Dude, coach at UCLA from 2003 to 2007. Colorado has to be considered the second best or second most stable program in the Pac-12 South right now. Yep. Because Arizona, LOL, they finally got their first win in two years. Uh, Only took but, 20 players being out. Yeah, Cal. but but Cal had to miss like a third of their team. That's that. That's it, right? Like credit to Utah for being stable. But like right now, if you took away former G5 Utah, you took them away from the Pac-12, what an absolute dumpster fire of a division that is. So I, and it's not even the division. So I looked at this earlier this week um, and I took it Massey composite. I made all the realignment changes, you know, adding teams to the Sun Belt, moving the six teams from Conference USA over to the American, adding the new four teams to the big 12, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I took some liberty with uh, the three FCS teams. Uh, Jacksonville state is not good. So I put them as 133, assuming they'll be 133 out of the new 133. And then James Madison and Sam Houston State, I just put them at 100 because they have both, they have won national, both of them have won national championships in the last couple of years. Like they will be, they will come up similar they will to be how, respectable programs. Right. They will come up similar to how App State came and basically be like a middle, and it's all kind of clustered in there. Whatever. I could have put them at 110, but whatever. So the, this is the ranking of conferences according to Massey Composite. Again, I will, uh, I'll just do one decimal here. After the realignment, the new SEC, thanks to Oklahoma, 37.7. The current Big Ten, 39.5. The current SEC, 40.01. So they're like the SEC and the Big Ten are really close this year because Michigan State is up. And that's really what it boils down to, right? Like it's Michigan state is up. It's not and Penn state's a little bit down, but it's not just Ohio state and one other school. You got three good schools. The new big 12 is third at 40.8 because Houston is seven and one, eight and one. They're good. Cincinnati's undefeated. BYU is good. And UCF is okay. Right. But they, I mean, and they're probably be- the program with the most potential. They're the program with the most potential but right but they now. They're the worst. Bowser got hurt and then Dylan Gabriel broke his collarbone, like the third game of the season. And so they've been starting Mikey Keene, who's a true freshman, who's actually the quarterback that took over for Jacob Conover at Chandler high school. Right. Um, so they will, so Keen and it'll be fun when Keen and Chandler get to play each other as big 12 school, you know, cause they went to the same high yeah, school. That's, that's cool. kind of fun. The current big 12 average ranking 42.7. So the current big 12, because Texas sucks is actually worse in Massey composite than the future big 12. Getting out of Texas, good riddance. Then you have a drop, so 42. That was facetious. To the ACC, 53. The Pac-12, 65.6. The Mountain West, 71.8. 
the AA, the American 73.6, obviously that they're down this year, but they're propped up by Houston, SMU and uh, Cincinnati and everyone else is very down the Sunbelt 84, the new American with adding those six conference USA schools is 88. So they're taking a big hit and they are betting, they're betting on the future and betting a mix of markets and fan support. The new Sunbelt is 89. So even though the Sunbelt added four schools, they caught a little bit worse, but not that much worse, but they are feeling that these schools fit within our footprint. Like, you know, there's nothing in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi or Huntington, West Virginia, right? Like the, but Marshall and USM. And so they're going to bring support. The MAC 92, CUSA 93, new conference USA 100. So Jeff, right now, the new big 12 is better than the current big 12 and the pac 12 is closer to the mountain West, the American, the sunbelt, the new American and the new sunbelt than it is to the big 12, the new big 12. Like it is substantially. So 65 to 71 is the difference between the the pac 12 and the mountain West. So that's what six spots on average difference. There's a 25 spot gap between the new big 12 and the pac 12 25, Jeff, there is a timeline in which the pac 12 could finish closer because conference USA is at 93. So depending on how much UTSA can creep up and assuming nobody blows anything in the back end, there is a timeline in which the pac 12 could finish closer to all five G five conferences than it could to the big 12. How much would the opinion of the future big 12 change? I mean, obviously this can't happen, but let's take out Baylor. I mean, there's an argument to be made, right? That Baylor is going to be Baylor or Oklahoma state is the, the, like the the top school, right. In the new big 12, take out Baylor and add USC. How different is the opinion of the new big 12? USC is a worse football program than Baylor. They have been for a decade. But because of the cachet, because of Reggie Bush, because of you know Marcus Allen, because of the, the, the history and prestige, how much does the perception change? Even though the quality decreases, how much does the perception of the new Big 12 increase? I don't. Pretty significantly. I, I'm going to disagree because okay. to the average fan, yes. Like well, and person, I think that's who's making the takes, right? Right. To the average fan, maybe yes, but to the coaches who vote in the coaches poll, to the media members who vote in the media poll, to the computers that do the computer rankings, they pay more attention. You or I, we appreciate that it's yeah. better and that it's different. And so if those rankings, like it may take a couple of years, but if it's there and then the AP voters, they appreciate it they start bumping it up in the ratings, then it doesn't take long. Cause even the fact that you just said Baylor is the top thing. Baylor sucked for RG three showed up. Yeah, that's true. And they now it's like, but now people expect Baylor to be good. And because they've had three good coaches in a row, well, two coaches who are good people, but three <laughs> good football coaches. In yeah, a there row. you go. And yeah, it, it's true. And, and I think that's a really good point. And so but that just, that just kind of, I think illustrates how, how fine the line is that like the, the, the difference between perception and actual is a crappy USC team. Like is, is the, is the PAC 12 really that much better off than the future of the big 12? Because 
USC is there. I mean, on paper, they should be, right? But in, in, in reality, no. Yes. no. In reality, you would much rather have a, a program who competes like Baylor or Oklahoma State than USC. Yeah. So even looking, so I just flipped back to the 20, the final rankings in 2015 on Massey Composite, and the Sun Belt was the worst conference. And mm-hmm. there was a large, large gap. You know, the Pac-12 was the second best conference that year. So in the last five years, we've seen the, and the ACC is about the same. The Big 12 is about the same. The Big 10 is a little bit better. The SEC is where it's at. So in the last five years, and the American and the Mountain West are also about where they're at. So in the last five years, though, we've seen the Pac-12 tank and the Sunbelt Conference get significantly better because of schools with fan support and because the people who pay attention to those Sunbelt schools most heavily, the diehard sicko committee football fans, they say the product on the field in the Sunbelt is better than what is in these other conferences. And yeah. that is why the narrative of the Sunbelt will be the better thing is coming about. And so, you know, if the Sunbelt starts losing and they tank and Jamie Chadwell gets hired away and Billy Napier leaves and they go back to where they were, they can't, they won't sustain it. Like you have to win to keep it going. But yeah. the fact that they've made that significant difference with a few good hires because of fan support in the last five years definitely points to a brighter future, I believe, for the Big 12 than the Pac-12. There you go. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I, I think it's a great story. Um, I mean, moving on a little bit from, from Utah and the cluster of the Pac-12. Hunter Clegg is visiting BYU as we record. As of this recording, he is still on campus. So that's cool. Uh, he's a four-star guy, 2023, defensive end out of uh, American Fork. His parents both went to BYU. When I first interviewed him, he said that the dating pool at BYU was incredibly appealing in the long-term future for him. Smart man. Smart man. I mean, I think that's a very good point. If you're LDS, the dating pool for, uh, you know, of other LDS uh, folk is there at BYU. Interesting to hear that as a, as a selling point from a recruit. That, that honestly is the first time I've ever heard that, though I, I think a lot of people think it. So that's cool. That's good news. Seems like the kind of guy that the BYU should have a good shot with. Uh, this visit's big. Uh, they, I mean, if it goes well, there's nothing that would prevent me from saying, yeah, he could commit today. Uh, but there's a long time to go. He may not commit today. Stanford, Utah, there's some big name programs that are that are involved. And I think there are more who will come calling if he doesn't shut things down. So uh, big name to watch, but but more good, positive recruiting news for BYU um, in the midst of a, a three or four week stretch where I can't remember there has ever been a time with more positive recruiting news for BYU. I mean, from Kingsley to the return of Logan Fano about the Iggy's I, press conference. Yeah. I mean, that was big, but I think this might be bigger, man. You've got, Isaiah Moa, you've got Cody Hagan. I mean, let's go back to that Iggy's press conference. Jake Heaps was a four-star. Ross Oppa was a four-star. Zach Stout was a three-star. In the last month, and if we go to two months so that we can include Cody Hagan, but maybe that's unfair. But in the last two months, BYU has added a four-star wide receiver in Hagan, a four-star defensive end in Moa, a five-star offensive tackle in in Kingsley, and welcomed home a four-star edge defender in Logan Fano. 
that's a that's a hell of a recruiting run. They're hosting another four-star guy in Hunter Clegg on on campus right now. Spencer Fano is being pushed. Another four-star offensive tackle being pushed to make a commitment. I, that could come tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised. It could come six months from now, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. But they're they're trying hard. Uh, Cormani McLean, a five-star defensive back, is visiting. There's a lot of momentum, and then this is all on top of uh, basketball recruiting that just landed Colin Chandler. Like, what a run for BYU athletic recruiting! It, it, it's across the board. So really cool stuff, really fun to see. And I think it's a, a, I think it's a sign of things to come. I really do. I look forward and I see really big things coming, coming to BYU. Some of you may remember Brian Swinney. Like he was, uh, he was Steve Bartle before Steve Bartle. He ran the Utah scout.com site. And Brian Swinney was kind of a troll. Like BYU fans, I think universally hated him. Uh, if you ever got to talk to him outside of the internet, he was a pretty entertaining guy. He was fun to talk to. He said, and he was, uh, he was actually a UCLA Homer growing up. And then he became kind of a Utah fan while he covered the program. He hated BYU. He hated BYU. He never had anything really positive to say about BYU, but as he covered recruiting and he got to know the high school coaches and he got to know kids, he got to know what kids liked and what was important to them and blah, 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 blah. He consistently said, even to his Utah fan base that hated to hear it, if BYU ever made it to a Power 5 conference, they have the ability to be a recruiting juggernaut. That was maybe the biggest BYU troll at the time. Brian Swinney believed that they could become a recruiting juggernaut. Now, I don't know that I'm ready to jump to juggernaut because I hear juggernaut and I think top 10, top 15 classes, right? I don't know that BYU ever gets to that point, but we're seeing what uh, maybe a glimpse of what the future could be for BYU. And that's a four-star receiver, a four-star D end, a five-star tackle, more four-stars visiting, more four-stars in the pipeline, the occasional five-star that is visiting from Florida. Maybe they could be a juggernaut or at least a powerhouse. Is a powerhouse less than a juggernaut? I don't know. I think so. I would but say they, so. They, they could be there, right? Like, I think we're getting a glimpse of what the future could look like. And I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. The role that we play as fans is going to be enormous as BYU moves forward. For so long, BYU fans, we have had to kind of relegate ourselves to BYU is the school that finds under-the-radar talent, LDS talent, and that's about it, right? And when the misses happened over the last decade, especially, when such-and-such went to Utah or to Stanford, it was, well, how can you turn down Stanford? Well, Utah has all of the advantages, power five, blah, blah, blah. All of that's gone now. That is all out the window. BYU is their peer, and the expectation should be to start landing these four-star guys to bring in the occasional five-star guy. That should be the expectation. And if fans don't expect that, then they're not holding the coaches accountable, right? They're not asking the media members, hey, why are we not landing four-star kids? Ask the coaches. They're not asking boosters or, or bringing that in or asking it at Cougar Club luncheons or whatever it may be. If fans are apathetic about recruiting, then the results are likely to be apathetic too as the novelty of the big 12 wears off. But if fans expect great things, because I think BYU is capable of doing that and they're showing that right now, 
if BYU fans expect great things, that will indirectly hold BYU accountable in the future. They will have to deliver great things in order to meet the expectations. There's a process. This doesn't mean get delirious. Understand the process. Understand that you don't win every recruiting battle. Understand that there's still scholarship limits and, and, and various elements that prevent BYU from chasing certain kids. That's all part of the process. But that doesn't mean that you should lower expectations. That means that you need to understand the process while still expecting great results. Fans have a huge role in the future of BYU recruiting, and maybe they could be a juggernaut or at least a powerhouse as we move forward. At least a powerhouse. We can that get to felt, power. That felt political. Like that felt like, let's close the rally. Let's end. Let's be done. Let's let's go out on a high note. Yeah, I mean, I really do agree with you, right? And it's especially on the basketball front, more so than the football front. Where like it's there is no reason going into the Big Twelve as a basketball player on the football, we still got it. There's the image work that needs to be done, right? Like there's still the conference, but going into the big 12, which it's not just BYU fans, it's national people saying this is the best conference in the country. You know, that is, there is zero reason, got to capitalize. And there is zero reason for any LDS player to go somewhere else unless they just don't want BYU. If you don't want Which BYU fine. and you just want something different and you have nothing, whatever, maybe you don't like church and you are excited to not have your parents make you go anymore. That's fine. Maybe you grew maybe up you just Utah. don't want it. Maybe you want a beard. Like I get it. There's right. a, a or million maybe, reasons. Like I, yeah, like Xavier Sofilo, he loves BYU. He married a girl who played volleyball at BYU. He just grew up in Provo and went to Dimpview and said, I would rather like, I just want to go away from home. Like I want yeah. to go out and do be my own man and do my own thing like that. And that's fine. But it, you will never, there's zero excuse going forward for, well, I really love BYU and I would go there, but they're not BYU, the highest. I, I think the expectation, it's hard to say the expectation should be that all of these guys sign because they may not. And there's a myriad of reasons that they might not. There is zero reason that BYU should not assume that they are part of the conversation and recruit their balls off for everybody who is LDS, right? There there's no longer uh, well, he's got a whole bunch of offers and we can't compete. It's like, yeah, he's got there, offers, there, from, there's the, he's got offers from the big 10 and right. he's got offers from the big 10 and a bunch in Kansas and Kentucky. Look, this is not going to come. He's not going to dilly dally in the WCC. He doesn't this was that. well, and even on a football front, this was a Bronco thing. There are certain coaches on the current coaching staff who believe this, that if they look at a kid's offer list and they see that uh, Tausilia Kana is a great example. I, I, I think you could, I mean, if we go back, I think that this was the same way with Kingsley for a while. I think it was the same kind of uh, what happened with Puka um, Harrison Taggart this year. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that you can go through, but there is uh, Tausilia Kana is a good one because I, I, I recently had a conversation with, with somebody at Sky Ridge. Uh, he's not really hearing from BYU. And why? I don't know. But there's enough of a track record that when coaches see that long offer list of everybody in the SEC, everybody in the Big 12, everybody in the Pac-12, they kind of go, well, it's unlikely that he's going to come to BYU. He's going to go to one of the big boys. That, that mentality 
has to change because yeah. BYU, you're one of the big boys now. If it's an LDS kid, there's no reason that you shouldn't think that you can compete with Alabama for recruits. There's not. Are you? Does that mean you're going to get every kid who has an Alabama offer? Absolutely not. But that should not be a disqualifier from you getting into the conversation. So Tausili Akana, if he's not top priority for the BYU coaching staff, those coaches who are responsible for recruiting that area are not doing their job. They are failing in their job because times have changed. Five years ago, you probably could assume that when somebody has 30 P5 offers, they're not going to go play for independent BYU. And you're probably going to say they need to recruit us. They need to show interest in us before we can invest our, our limited resources and time into them. But you are now one of the big boys. And if your mindset from a fan standpoint and from a coach standpoint, if your mindset does not shift with the title that is associated with your program, you are not doing your job. You are failing on the recruiting trail. Hard stop. And that is what has to, that's the expectation. BYU should be trying to get every LDS kid, regardless of how, who else has offered them. Yep. There's, there, there's no excuse anymore. There, there is no excuse and you need to right. Like embrace. And I think that's something that Kalani does very well is right. Just embracing BYU, embracing the difference and don't try. I think for a long time, we kind of tried to shy away from the honor code and kind of like, well, it's fine. Just keep it rule and just say, rather than saying like, no, like, this is the thing it's going to help you in the long run. You may not see it now, right? Like kind of being like the dad, right? Your dad's like, someday you're going to thank me for this, right? You yep. know, it's like, yep. but it's like, don't shy away for it. And it's just own it and just be different. And I think especially too, now with the one-time transfer, we should be able to clean up shop in the transfer portal because it's, it is a lot easier after a transfer for someone to come in and realize like, you know, I went and played like someone like Squally Cannon, right? He was a four-star back out of high school, went to Washington state, kind of dilly dallied around, partied a little bit, you know, whatever. And then kind of realized when he transferred. And one of the reasons he came to BYU was the realization of, you know, I need somewhere where I can keep my head on straight, focus on what I'm here to do and get it done. And I think a lot of transfers, you go away from home, you mature a little bit, it is a lot easier for transfers to buy into that vision and that mentality than 18 year old kids with stars in their eyes. Yep. And so I God think bless. that the transfer portal, we can live in the portal the same way Mark view has left and lived in the portal at Gonzaga and the same way that, you know, uh, Bill Snyder made Juco guys, his, you know, the calling card at K state, I think, the BYU brand is big enough to stand on its own and the fan support is there and the, we can show the fans like, Hey, our fans support the NIL deals. Our, our fans love us. Our fans travel. Yes, it's different, but us being different will make you better and you will be grateful for it someday. And Jeff with that, I hope we give them hell in the recruiting trail in football because we certainly gave them hell this week in basketball <laughs> and I hope right now things are looking good that in this week's bi-week opponent of BYU versus the honor code office, we come out ahead and so far so good. Things are good, man. Let's keep giving them hell. Okay. Till next time.